Hello, hello. Hello. Welcome back, everyone, and thank you so much for joining us for another week of creepiness. Last week was super fun. How awesome was last week's episode? Everybody loved that Mexican shit. Oh, I I loved it. It was so fun and and scary. Definitely love listening to that again. Yes, I agree. Anything else you want to say about that? Did you get any feedback from any of your family? Did they listen to themselves and react? Yes, everybody. um, My cousin played it for my grandma at her little birthday gathering, and Mm -hmm. uh, she loved it. She laughed. My mom, of course, was like, uh, you need to not laugh as much, and you need to blah, blah, blah. It was the first time she'd heard it, the podcast at all. So I was like, can you just relax? Yep. She wants to be our our momager. Yeah. You're doing great, sweetie. (laughs) That is definitely my mom. She's a Kris Jenner. (laughs) All right. Well, yeah, that was awesome. I loved that. Um, So... Now it's your family's turn. Yeah, I need to get them on. Um, my brother has a graduation gathering coming up in June, so I'm thinking I'll make a make a little thing out of that and Perfection. come back with some recordings. Yes. <clears throat> but other than that, today I have something special planned. Ooh, I'm excited. Uh, I say that every time, but um, <laughs> this one this one feels like a horror movie yeah i don't know how to explain it has all the twists and turns that you would (laughs) 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 my finger didn't get to the fucking mute button in time Uh, no you're fine that was hilarious You should have you didn't even try. I thought I was gonna throw up actually because I was like <laughs> Oh no. <laughs> that is so funny. Oh, I can feel, I feel it with the with these sparkling waters. They're brutal. Dude, damn it. Okay. <clears throat> I'm sorry, continue. You're fine. Um my fingers gonna okay. be glued to this fucking mouse. <laughs> This story is especially creepy, and it has stuck with me since I first heard it. I say that also every time, but you'll see what I mean. Daniela, does the name Daniel LaPlante sound familiar? Yes, it does. Oh, my God. Where have I heard that? Maybe from me when I called dibs on this story. Maybe. 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 How about the Andrews haunting? No, that does not sound familiar. It's kind of wrapped in like an urban legend kind of fitting, but it's real. So, okay, so this story, Daniel LaPlante, I had heard of his case on the Sinisterhood podcast a while back, and I re-listened to it today, still just as good, Um, probably better listening to it a second time. I love these women. They are hilarious, and they provide a great detailed description on every episode no matter what they cover and they operate out of dallas so big shout out to them and uh check them out if you're interested it's sinisterhood the sinisterhood podcast 
and they are definitely worth a follow. So my other uh, sources are Wikipedia, Ranker.com, and Sword and Scale. Did I say Sword? Yep, you said <laughs> Sword. <laughs> Speaking of moms and how we, <laughs> my brother and I always get on her about the W words when she does that. What I just did, pretty much. Yeah, I do that to my mom for every single thing, and she messes up. <laughs> Whenever Stewie's like, "Cool whip." Oh my god, dude! I love that episode. <laughs> uh, so. <laughs> I just remembered like the rest of that whole scene. I love it. Yeah, cool. Okay. <clears throat> so. <laughs> oh. <laughs> this also, in my opinion, is a wild example of like the escalation of a killer and how that ends up leading to murder, all of the different little actions. Mm-hmm. And it has many elements of an absolutely terrifying horror movie, like I mentioned. But this is a true story. Mm-hmm. So. The early life of Daniel LaPlante also held the common makings of a killer. Daniel LaPlante was born on May 16, 1970, and grew up with his mom and stepfather in Townsend, Massachusetts. LaPlante had been sexually and mentally abused by several adults throughout his life, but the main abuser had been his father. He was diagnosed with dyslexia. (laughs) Do you have dyslexia? (laughs) Yes, I do. I do too. It is. Okay. I wish I had a. <laughs> We're both two dyslexics. That's what this podcast should have been called. Two dyslexics. Wait, I also have a question. Is it Laplante or Laplante? Everyone I've seen is says Laplante, but okay. maybe just, it is. I have no idea. I I think I might have heard his name said once, and I honestly think I heard it. Laplante. Yes, but it's definitely spelled fancy. Yeah, I just I have no idea. Maybe it is. Maybe I should just refer to him that way. I don't know. Laplante. I guess it really doesn't matter if he's a killer, anyways. Nobody cares how to pronounce your name. So he struggled in school and was diagnosed with dyslexia. Dyslexia. Dix. Dyslexia. <laughs> That's this episode's title, Dixlexia and Swords. Okay. Dick and both are phallic symbols. Perfect. <laughs> Perfect for it. after we just introduced elderly family members in the last episode, and this week it's Dixlexia and Swords. <laughs> All right. Get it together. I'm sweating. <laughs> I act like I'm standing in front of a crowd of a hundred, but I'm just, really in, I'm alone. It's so me and my funny. one candle. Dick's legs. I am so sorry if you have this. Um, I'm not making fun of it, I swear. Okay. Are you making fun of me or not? What? <laughs> He said, I'm sorry if you have this. I legit have dyslexia. <laughs> you do? Yeah. I didn't know that. I have it with numbers, too. It's really bad with numbers. but I would have never known. Are yeah. you lying? No, I'm Are being you serious. Me? I'm being completely serious. But you're like a writer. Like, I've read your yeah, writing. And it is really hard to do. I'll, like, put words, not just letters, but, like, words out of order. Like, instead of saying them the way most people say them, I'll say them backwards. Like, um, 
my God. Well, uh, all the times I ever laughed at you, I didn't know you had that. <laughs> Is that and, allowed? And it's like a mild, I want to say it's mild because I know there's people that like can't read shit unless they have like uh, a special, yeah, like colored, um, like plastic shit in front of it so I've that it ranges yeah. or the letters but mine is not like that or Holy at least shit. I haven't tried it that way like I haven't tried to like read something with colored shit over it to see if it changed it but um yeah uh maybe I'm just suffering and I don't even realize it but uh oh my gosh <laughs> a revelation yeah I really do have dyslexia never knew well mm-hmm. we can do with that what we will as for right now Daniel Laplante was also diagnosed with dys- dyslexia. Dys- <laughs> he was diagnosed with dyslexia and he struggled in school. And that's what that's all there is to it. And this episode is over. Goodbye. Fantastic. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> he was described by his peers as being creepy and weird. Mm-hmm. He had strange behaviors and would not practice proper hygiene. For this reason, school officials had him see a psychiatrist. Well, he has a lot of stuff going on at home. I mean, that's what they say, you know, when you're depressed or that kind of thing. The kid will have, like, greasy hair, you know, not really care about themselves or their appearance very much. Mm -hmm. So for this reason, school officials had him see a psychiatrist. He is then diagnosed with hyperactivity disorder, and with him lacking the support for his stresses in life in general, this was a much-needed um, help that he deserved. However, Daniel was soon also abused by his psychiatrist during sessions, and he ended the treatment. Yeah, very unfortunate. Very sad. So um, he's still a teenager, and one of his favorite pastimes is burglarizing. So sometimes he would break in but not take anything, just simply move things around, whether it be items or pieces of furniture, just subtle enough um, of a change to be noticed by whoever lived there, but not obvious. That is Maybe just to play. Yeah, I think he was just playing with their sanity a little bit. Yeah. Wee, that scared me. That's a creepy little detail about this young man. Now I'm going to shift over to the Andrews family. This is a parallel story that's happening alongside of his. Okay. Okay, so this is why this story is also known as the Andrews haunting. The year is 1986, and a family of three is grieving the loss of the wife and mother of the household that they had lost to a battle with cancer. Single father Brian Andrews and his daughters Annie and Jessica are living in Townsend, Massachusetts as well. The girls are teens around the age of LaPlante, who is 16 at this time. They attend a neighboring school and Daniel had found Annie attractive. So Daniel had either found Annie's home phone number in someone who knew her's home or he had broken into the Andrews home and obtained the phone number that way. Either way, he got a hold of her phone number and he began calling her. Having lost her mother a few months prior, she was open to the possibility of a new friend or a potential boyfriend. She was flattered when she answered the first call where Daniel admitted he found her attractive and decided to seek her out, which is super creepy. Don't do that. That's weird. She accepted his invitation for a date after they spoke for several weeks on the phone. Red flag alert when she opened the front door the night of their date, instead of the athletic blonde young man that he had described on the phone, there stood Daniel, a lanky, dark-haired boy. Catfished. So he had catfished. Yep, he had catfished her 
through the phone in 1986. Damn. So he had been calling her without her permission and then acted like he was somebody else, knowing that he was going to meet her and not be who he described. Damn. That was creepy. It's just super creepy, but I guess you have to wonder if maybe he was just socially awkward and he was just trying to make it a little bit easier to get in the door. Yeah, take but a he shot completely with lied about what he looked like. Like, how the fuck was that going to work? Exactly, exactly. Slightly disappointed, she went on the date anyway, and they went for ice cream. She opened up about her loss, um, the loss of her mother, but found it odd how much interest Daniel took in the death of her mother, asking questions like, how much did she suffer? How did you feel at the exact moment she died? Mm-hmm. She quickly came up with an excuse to end the date. Within the days following the disastrous date, Annie had stopped returning Daniel's calls and she and her sister were still reeling from the loss of their mother. One night, they decided to hold a seance to tell their mother goodbye. What? Their father found them swinging a crystal and chanting together in the basement. That evening, when getting into bed, they heard a light knocking on their wall and took it as a sign that they had reached their mother. They began interacting with the supposed spirit. However, they noticed the activity from the other side increasing. They would find that furniture had been moved, items would go missing, and the knocks grew louder and grew in intensity as time went on. They became afraid. They no longer believed it was their mother that they had contacted. Brian, their father, had not witnessed any of the activity and brushed them off when they explained what they believed was going on due to their actions. Having been dismissed by their father, the girls put up with the activity for months into the new year. One evening, Annie and Jessica were watching TV in the living room when the typical knocking started. Mm-hmm. Fed up and ready to confront the entity, Annie takes a knife from the kitchen and heads to the basement with Jessica cowering behind her. In the basement, they find nothing and hear nothing. But as they turn to walk back upstairs, on the wall, a message reads, I'm in your room. Come find me. Oh, no. And it was in blood. Mm-hmm. Or it appeared to be written in blood. Hell No, dude. So, they run out of the house screaming and call their father from a neighbor's house. The police meet him at the home to investigate the message. It was ketchup. He was pissed. He had put them into therapy to help them cope with their mother's death, and he believed that this was an elaborate act that they were creating. The two weeks of silence that followed came with no activity in the home, no sounds, nothing. Then one night, they hear loud noises coming from the bedroom upstairs. The girls are home alone again, and Annie once again grabs a knife and heads in the direction of the noises. From the stairs, they see a message now on Annie's wall that says, I'm back. Find me if you can. Mm -mm. Like the last time, they ran to the neighbors, called their father, and he was displeased. They pled for him not to enter the house, but he reaches the door and he hears that all of the TVs have been turned on and the volume is on high. The neighbors had said no TVs were on when they approached the home following the girls going over there. Brian goes inside, walks upstairs, and a new message is on Annie's wall. Marry me. Marry me? Mm Mm-hmm. Good lord, what is that? Oh my god, that scared me. Where is that? What the heck? Oh. (laughs) It says water the grass. Luckily the storm did that for me. Water the grass i thought it was gonna say marry me <laughs> could you imagine i would have <gasps> flipped my shit i would have and it was all a fucking what if it was like a movie title or something my high ass like set an alarm for and i was like it just co- <laughs> coincided with the story so perfectly 
Yeah, but it's so cool. Anyways. So. No, (laughs) no, I don't mind. Um, Okay, so. I also know. Uh, What the? You do? What What was that? Was that a scream? That's what it sounded like. That was really scary. What? That was from your side. What was that? One. Maybe there's kids playing outside. Let me. Let me open this door. I'm very scared. Hold on. I don't know. Hold, maybe somebody. Hold on. Let me go check on Jeremy. Oh, God. I don't know what that was, but it might have just been a neighbor screaming or something, but <clears throat> I don't know. Oh, shit. I hope they're okay. I hope it was just kids playing. I looked around. Okay. I heard it. Yeah, dude. I really, yeah, I heard it loud and clear. <clears throat> oh, excuse me. I'm gonna hear it whenever I'm editing this back too. It's. I don't know. That was really weird. Okay, I'm burning this fucking microphone. Burning. Opened a portal because honestly, it didn't sound like it was outside. It. Where did it sound like it, it was at? Through the earphones, like it sounded like it was on the computer or something. Be quiet. <gasps> Ew. Yeah, that's what it sounded like. You're right, because it wasn't anywhere in here. And if it wasn't anywhere where you're at either, then it was on there. Yeah. But at times, at times, I hear it through my headphones. But it's only my headphones. Like, it's not like you can hear it or, like, it's not like I verbally react to it because I can tell it's my headphones. I don't know. Weird. Okay. Here we go. Mm -hmm. Marry me. Okay. Brian goes inside and walks upstairs. A new message was on Annie's wall. Marry me. Catch up. Again. He walked into Annie's room and sees something move in the corner of his eye. He turns and finds a young man in his wife's wedding dress with a blonde wig on. Oh, my God. His face is covered in face paint, and in his hand was a hatchet used for splitting logs. He fought off the attacker, and the police arrived. While investigating, they saw a small door behind a dresser that had been used to store mail, and the young man was behind the door. The young man was familiar. It was Daniel LaPlante. He had been using their crawl space to hide and play this horrible prank on the family. What the fuck, dude? He screamed as he was being placed under arrest, and um, the police found a sleeping bag, food wrappers, beer cans, stuff like that in the crawl space, indicating that Daniel had spent quite a bit of time in their home unbeknownst to them. What? In their crawl space. Dude. Tapping on the walls, moving their shit around when they weren't looking, like, How the, hell the did whole he time. How the hell I don't know. I guess he had gotten inside. He's good at burglarizing homes, so he must have gotten in whenever they weren't home and stayed there or found a way to come in and out. That's fucking scary. Yeah. He was pissed that Annie didn't like him, and so he used the her mother's death and all of that against her. That's so messed up. Yeah, dude. That is- And creepy. Yeah. The writing on the wall and stuff. Oh, gosh. Mm-mm. Yeah, fuck that. So different accounts of the story have been spread around. 
And there's a separate ending where in another account of the story, the family gets tied up and threatened by Daniel whenever they find him. And this feels a lot more exaggerated than it had already felt. But when Daniel leaves the room, possibly to find possessions to steal, one of the sisters breaks out of the ties and frees her father and then her sister and they all escape through the window. Then when police search the home and the surrounding area, they do not find LaPlante. But what they did find was weird things like coins glued to the ceiling, writings on the wall, and ejaculate on the girl's clothing. What the fuck? So he had been jerking off on their clothes and stuff, which that still might be true, but this was just a separate account that I found it all together in. So um, the family stayed away from their home for some time out of fear of his return. But when they did return, they saw a figure standing in front of the window inside the house. What? So then the police search the home, and this time they find him in the crawl space. So that's the separate ending of how the police end up with Daniel in their custody. Yeah. He is 17 at this point. So even though the the crimes were horrible, they treated him as um, a juvenile. And he was initially sent to the Department of Youth Services Detention Center, Um, where he remained for some months. Because of his age and the fact that nobody was physically hurt, he was then transferred to the Air District Court for processing in October of 1987. Um, But he was bailed out by his mother in in $10,000 cash bond. What? So he was due back in court to be tried again later that year, December of 1987. I guess so because he had like a weapon and stuff. Like we don't know what he was really going to do. So they were going to put him through some kind of process in that December of 1987. But this is when it gets more twisted. After being released, this is October of 1987, he returned to his life of smaller crimes, burglarizing and stealing, but that changed when he found two revolvers in a neighbor's home and decided to take them. Mm. He stole the two guns, and after goofing up and leaving one of the guns in a hamper where it was found by his stepfather, he was down one gun. His father knew he shouldn't be in possession of a gun and took it. They had no idea that he had another one. And in November, he began watching a home and targeting it. The home belonged to the Gustafsons. Priscilla Gustafson was a nursery teacher, and her husband was a lawyer. They had two kids and one on the way. Daniel took electronics from their home and collectible coins. What he stole, he put into a toolbox in his home. Uh, Well, he lived in like a duplex. So I don't know how often they really watched him or like people saw him come and go. Because if somebody was a juvenile delinquent or whatever, and they live in a duplex, wouldn't they be like, hey, where's that kid always going? You know what I mean? Yeah. Anyways, his brother Stephen asked him about the items that were in the toolbox, and Daniel just said that he only kept them in there so that his parents wouldn't get to them or find them. But then it's like, why, you know? Anyways, <clears throat> nobody's asking enough questions here. <laughs> um, later that same month, he asked his brother Stephen, and then also he asked a friend if they had twenty-two caliber bullets that they could give him. His brother said no, but the friend agreed when Daniel claimed that he could take those bullets and turn them into larger bullets to sell. So he now has bullets and a gun, and nobody knows. Around three thirty p.m. on December first, nineteen eighty-seven, neighbors of the Gustafsons claimed to have heard what sounded like a little girl's screams. Around 3.45, Andrew Gustafson called to tell his wife to get a babysitter for the night. He had closed a big deal and wanted to celebrate. He tried 
the home three times and no answer. Around 5.30 p.m., Andrew arrives home and heads upstairs. He finds his wife Priscilla, 33, face down on their bed. There was blood all around her and he said that her skin was gray. (sighs) She had been shot twice in the head at point-blank range. When police arrived, they found the children had also been killed. No. Almost eight years old, Abigail was found drowned in the bathtub downstairs, and five-year-old William was found drowned in the tub upstairs. Scratches and bruising on Abigail's body and blunt force trauma to her head with compression of her throat indicated that she had fought her attacker. What? Fuck, dude. I know. Freaking violent. A used condom on the floor and semen beside Priscilla's body was also found. She had been raped and sodomized. Oh, my God. And she she was pregnant. Oh, my God. And he killed her. So the semen, though, was important. Uh, It was from a type A secretor where um, blood type antigens are secreted in bodily fluids such as mucus, saliva, and semen. So just from having the semen sample, they got a lot of evidence and um, information on the attacker. Um, It was a strong piece of evidence and it narrowed down any possible suspects to type A secretors. In the bedroom closet, they found a sock soaked in saliva that had been used as a gag and seven pre-made ligatures, including a necktie, socks, pantyhose, and stockings. The motive had been questioned from this point. Had the burglary gone wrong or was this premeditated? I'd say that the gag and ties for restraining being pre-made, it was premeditated. Yeah. And if he had burglarized the house before, then he was definitely coming back for something else. As far as like killing the kids and stuff, I don't know, man. It's awful. They probably just wouldn't stop screaming or something. Maybe they walked in. Mm -hmm. I don't know. In this exact moment, Daniel LaPlante is about 15 minutes away from the crime scene under investigation, playing with his niece at her sixth birthday party. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. He's just going about his day. So, like, directly after that, he went to his niece's birthday party. Mm-hmm. Okay. The location of the Gustafsons' home had a trail through some woods behind it. He was able to get away easily that day. However, the following day, December 2nd, 1987, the police discovered a gray flannel shirt and a pair of work gloves. The gloves had gunshot residue, and the shirt held the Gustafson home nameplate. Police jumped at the evidence and acquired search dogs. The dogs led them to a point just three feet from Daniel LaPlante's residence. Oh, shit. So the police found Daniel LaPlante at the Townsend Public Library while Daniel was studying, and they questioned him, but they didn't have anything that would allow them to formally bring him in for questioning. Later that day, they spoke with him on his porch, that is, until he jumped off the porch and ran off. Oh, shit. So he... I wonder what they were asking him. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure it was something fucked up. He was like, oh, shit, I'm caught. And then he just ran off. Yeah. His home was on some land and the sun was going down. A manhunt ensued and the police questioned Stephen, his brother, who confirmed that the clothing found in the woods by the Gustafsons belonged to Daniel and he had worn it the day prior. The family was very cooperative while police questioned them about Daniel. Apparently, a grand jury arraignment was scheduled for early October following his release, but it was canceled, and that's around the time that he was stealing guns and pretty much preparing to do what he did. Mm -hmm. If it hadn't been canceled, he probably would have been held until his trial in December, and then that may have prevented some of these 
horrible events, but no way to know for sure. So with warrants ready, police found plenty more evidence. In the home of the LaPlantes, they found property stolen from the Gustafson, as well as the Pindles, who are the neighbors that he had stole the guns from. So the bullets used in the murder were a match to the ones that were given to him, but also the striations on the bullets matched the 22 caliber Ruger stolen from the Pindle home in October. So everything was lining up. Meanwhile, Daniel made it to the town of Pepperell, Massachusetts, 15 minutes away from where they're at, where they're at his his residence. Mm. So he's not too far away. Um, He broke into a woman's home. He had acquired another gun somewhere along the way, and he, at gunpoint, forced her to take him to Fitchburg in her orange Volkswagen van. When uh, she spotted a cop, she took the opportunity and she actually jumped from the moving van. Oh my God. Yeah. So she, um, I think she ended up being fine. And so he just continued driving and the manhunt was still going some miles away from his current location. In Ayer, Massachusetts, Daniel was found hiding in a dumpster in a lumber yard. He had almost gotten away again, though, if not for one of the officers searching He had noticed one of the dumpsters was a mechanical compactor and it had a door on the side of it. So he peeked inside and he saw a pair of feet dangling. So he saw a pair of feet dangling and he was like, just come out. It's over. Um, He lied about having a weapon on him, but he was strip searched and they found that he had a bullet in his sock and a 32 caliber gun in his pants. So just things are just like, he's just getting in way deeper. And how old is he again? 17. He's only 17. Yeah. Imagine. So three weeks of trial presented all the evidence, including that at the time um, that he was found and taken in, there was a strand of hair on his sock that belonged to Abigail Gustafson. He showed no remorse during the trial, and he was a match for the uh, semen sample that was on the bed. And he was in possession of the stolen property. And despite everything stacked against him, Daniel pled not guilty. Mm -hmm. A fellow prisoner with hopes of reducing his sentence began writing to Daniel to find out more straight from the accused. Um, In the beginning, the letters were confident in his innocence. However, he casually mentioned being worried about killing three and having a potential rape charge in his later letters. The defense asked that the stolen evidence and the letters be omitted but their request was denied. The defense attorney also claimed that the police exceeded their scope of search warrant and that the residence was a duplex, but the property was still where Daniel resided. So they um, got denied on that too. Everything was on the table for this investigation and trial. Mm -hmm. Four members of the family testified that he had not been home at the time of the Gustafson murders like Daniel claimed he had. He had said that he was watching music videos at home between the times of 3 p.m. and 5 p.m. And the jury deliberated for two days and found Daniel LaPlante guilty for guilty of first-degree murder. Wow. The judge mentioned that they should do to him what he had done to the poor Gustafsons, but because the state of Massachusetts doesn't have the death penalty, the judge gave Daniel LaPlante three consecutive life sentences without parole. Wow. At a minimum, he was to serve at least 15 years per life he took, so 30 to 45 years before he could try to get his get out or whatever. Mm. Um, Let me see. On March 22nd, 2017, a resentencing hearing for LaPlante was held at Middlesex Superior Court in Woburn, Massachusetts. Daniel LaPlante asked for a reduction in his sentence. At the hearing, it was mentioned that 
his first appeal, previous court rulings were cited saying that juveniles convicted of murder should be given a meaningful opportunity to re-engage with society. Also, there was a new law allowing juveniles convicted of murder with extreme cruelty and atrocity to ask for parole after they've been behind bars for a minimum of 30 years. The judge, however, gave LaPlante the maximum penalty of 45 years after a forensic psychiatrist evaluated Plant and found that he was not remorseful for his crimes. Jesus. So they denied him. Uh, if he's not remorseful for what he did, then he's going to do it again. Yeah. So they are, they feel safer with him behind bars. And so I think he's, he's still in prison. Well, I would hope so. Uh, he converted to the Wicca faith. Oh, did he? And launched, <laughs> he launched his own complaints against the legal system. He filed a lawsuit against the state of Massachusetts stating that he needs to have access to dragon's blood, black opium, and honeysuckle in order to practice his spiritualism. And he claims that by withholding these, the courts are infringing on his religious rights. Get out of here. Of course, other members of the faith have come forward to speak out against LaPlante, saying that he does not need these things in order to be a Wiccan and that they do not accept him as one of their own. Wow, okay. They said, we don't claim him. <laughs> so he's just pretty much causing trouble and being a piece of shit. Yeah, sounds... Trying to claim... Yeah. I heard on their, the Sinister podcast mentioned that he was asking for like different kinds of cake every month. Like carrot cake for being a Wiccan. What? Or chocolate being cake. A Wiccan. I know that they have like different holidays ceremonies yeah. that they use wine they use wine and cake and stuff but i think he was just being an uh, asshole Very i don't know if yeah, he was just I have to do a shit <laughs> like a lavender cake but or something the lavender ones are fucking delicious i've never had lavender cake that's really good i've had lavender ice cream so i guess Ooh, i could kind of delicious I just it was pretty good lavender spray for my room <laughs> Wonderful. Sorry. You can, just... you can spray it into your mouth. <laughs> okay. Maximum relaxation. Okay. Because <laughs> he's probably going to try again to get out early, yeah. but they're going to be like, no. Um, ultimately, there is a, the resentencing judge concluded that all de, although the defendant has shown signs of improved behavior in the recent years, his prognosis for rehabilitation in the future is guarded. I think since then, he's also been diagnosed with other things. Like what? My back. <laughs> okay. He has not aged well. I want to see... He's already spent his whole life in there. That's just like. That's the bald one to him? Yes. Did you see what he looked like when he was a kid? No, I'm looking. Oh. We. He looks mean. Yeah, he looks mean. I don't see sadness or regret whenever I see photos of him. This is weird. It comes back to that thing. Like, do you think people are born evil or made to be evil? Because that was a evil act. The defendant's sentence is proportional both to the crimes he committed and to his particular characteristics as an offender, wrote Lowey. LaPlante's attorneys first appealed their client's case for the early parole eligibility in March, citing previous court rulings that they say juveniles convicted of murder should be given a meaningful opportunity to re-engage with society. 
there was, he was assigned the forensics. Why am I not finding that part? He's going to have to wait 15 more years as of two years ago, 1970. So he's 49? I think so. Okay. 50. 50. 50. His lawyer claimed that he was abused as a child and is now a model prisoner, but Gustafsson's family and the prosecutor who tried LaPlante say he should never be set free. It's reliving the murders all over again. It is life-changing again, said Priscilla Gustafsson's sister, Christine Morgan. Middlesex Superior Court Judge Helene Kazazgian, Kazazgian agreed with the family, saying that at a hearing Thursday that Mr. LaPlante had not been rehabilitated. She then formally resentenced LaPlante to the maximum possible punishment, three consecutive life sentences with the opportunity for parole after 45 years from the date of his conviction. So he still has 15 more years if he's already served 30. Oh my. This case does not involve a single act that resulted in three deaths. Mr. LaPlante committed three distinct and brutal murders. He killed a 33-year-old pregnant mother, then her five- and seven-year-old children. He left a family and community de devastated. Court finds that the maximum penalty is warranted. Mm -hmm. uh, Woburn Daniel J. LaPlante has shed tears over murdering a pregnant woman and her two children in Townsend nearly 30 years ago, but not everyone believes that he is truly sour. sour Sorrowful? Sorrowful? Oh my god. Sorrowful. Oh what is happening to me? My brain is dead. <laughs> so the doctor, the psychiatrist is Dr. Fabian Soleil, a forensic psychiatrist who witnessed LaPlante cry over the killings during an interview last summer. Um, so this means he saw him cry in 2016 over what he did. Um, and then the doctor goes on to say it was an execution. He executed one person, went and executed a second person, and then ended up executing a third person, not to mention the un unborn child. Soleil gave a vivid account Wednesday of LaPlante's memories of the 1987 murders of Priscilla Gustafson, her seven-year-old, and her five-year-old during a hearing in Middlesex Superior Court to determine whether to reduce his punishment. LaPlante, who was 17 when he committed the killings, is serving three consecutive life sentences, yada yada, um, and he should be given a chance at freedom because the juvenile brain isn't fully developed. He wants Superior Judge Helene Kazajian to impose concurrent terms for two of the life sentences, um, a punishment that would make him eligible for parole as early as this year. But she said no. He apologized for the killings while standing with his back to the relatives of the Gustafson and the, the family. Uh, I murdered three innocent people, he said. I do not have the words to fully express my profound sorrow, but I am truly sorry for the harm that I have caused. If successful, Laplante would seek wouldn't seek a parole hearing immediately, his lawyer said, because he wants to complete a three-year program at the Massachusetts Treatment Center in Bridgewater. LaPlante chose to transfer into a prison for sex offenders last year, said defense attorney Ryan M. Schiff. So he must have been not receiving the treatment that he liked. So that's my only guess for him wanting to be at a prison for sex offenders. Yeah, that's weird. After serving quite a bit of his sentence at the prison he was placed into. Testifying for the prosecution Wednesday, Soleil said that LaPlante's age and brain development had no bearing on his role in the attacks in which he raped Gustafsson, who was 33, in front of her son and then fatally shot her with a stolen gun. The children were drowned in separate bathtubs. Okay, so he threw in that this happened in front of her son, but I'm not sure if anyone really knows 
what order who they saw what yeah. or what order they they didn't really mention that in any of the uh, articles that I read. Mm-hmm. But I mean, regardless, the the acts themselves, no matter what the order, just awful. At the time of the killings, Laplante suffered from a conduct disorder. Soleil said, describing how he claimed to worship Satan and was said to have tortured animals as a youth. So this is why I'm, I was trying to find this Boston Globe article because I had not seen any mention of any of that in the in the other articles. Mm-hmm. And who's to say that he's lying now so that he can kind of cushion his own, what am I trying to say? That I mean, because that's typical of a killer, right? Is like torturing animals, being abused, being isolated, and then forming these horrible ideas about death and, you know, sex acts like rape Mm -hmm. and stuff. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if this was just brought up later or if this was an actual truth telling from his background and why he ended up being this way. Um, LaPlante now has an antisocial personality disorder and has not shown any true remorse for what he did or demonstrated empathy for his victims or their families, Soleil said. Um, And that's when they ask, you know, is he rehabilitated? In my opinion, absolutely not. Um, Relatives of the Gustafsons opposed LaPlante's request to reduce his sentence, though one showed him mercy during his remarks in court. Gustafson's brother, the Reverend William Morgan Jr., said he forgave LaPlante, but he wants him to remain locked up. I do not believe Daniel LaPlante is repentant of his crimes, he said. I believe he will always be a danger to society and to our children. In my opinion, under no circumstance should Daniel LaPlante be set free. I agree. Yeah, everyone's in agreement. And so the article goes on to say more arguments for him to stay in prison. I just found it interesting that that was the only, the Boston Globe article was the only place they mentioned he moved to a prison for sex offenders specifically. And then also that he had brought up to the doctor that he tortured animals in his youth. Just thought that was interesting to mention. He was trying to pad his story. That's what I'm wondering. Mm-hmm. That's what sucks about this whole thing is uh, if they're repressed or, you know, there are other things going on besides talking about what happened to him in his childhood or in his teenage years. Yeah. He's just trying to get out of there. But um, regardless, that's awful. Um, what do you think of the whole story? A lot of a lot of twists and turns in that one. Yeah, I... I knew about the first part of him in that house, but I did not know the second part. I didn't know that he went to jail and all of that. Like that's that's he went on to kill. Yeah, Um, and that was just a huge jump uh, from you know playing a sick prank like that, and then to actually hurting and killing people. Yeah, that first and if that happened quickly if he had gotten away again who's to say what else he was capable of at that time yeah the first family's really lucky that uh he didn't do anything to them or well he didn't kill them exactly dude he was there while they were probably sleeping and stuff yeah like oh yeah creepy Mm-mm. that's just one of the more um unbelievable stories yeah it's all within a year Within a year, within two years, the whole the whole thing. That is his whole nuts. life. That was the story of Daniel Laplante slash the Andrews haunting. That was very nice. Thank you. Oh God, you're welcome. I'm a little bit jumbled. I can't speak and I can't walk. <laughs>
Uh, this is the longest, or I guess the latest that we've ever recorded. <laughs> is it? Yeah. Except for our party episode, Except which it feels like it is one. that because yeah. I can't, I can't talk. That was actually really good, Abby. No, you're lying. I'm not lying, but it's fine. It's okay. It's very entertaining. Very uh. <laughs> Well, we kept going off topic, but it was still very nice. It was a wild ride. It was a very wild ride. And I keep saying that it's nice, but I mean, clearly that was a horrific. Oh, that was a horrific crime. Jeez Louise. Aw, I'm going to share a photo of um, the Gustafsons whenever I post. Very sad. Very tragic. Very horrific. And I thought I skimmed across. I did not open any articles, but um, they were like, make a movie out of this story or whatever Mm -hmm. but i mean well all i have to say is damn daniel i thought of that too but i didn't say it it. daniel i said it earlier too but it wasn't Um, (laughs) (laughs) what (laughs) that's how he says it (laughs) damn daniel That's what he sounds like. That is exactly it, but holy fuck. I get it again with the white vans. Oh my god, I can't breathe. (laughs) Ew. That was fucking hilarious. Oh my god. That's the name of this episode. I'm just kidding. You really need to make it that because that is perfect. Damn, Daniel. That's perfect. Ew. (laughs) That really shows my age. I remember when Ellen had them on and was like, have all this money and a bunch of vans. Yeah, that was really weird. That was really weird. Ellen is an Aquarius, and I'm so embarrassed and ashamed. Why? She's a shady bitch. Every celebrity. And I'll say that on air. Every no, but Ellen. celebrity. I mean, is. yeah, I agree. But Ellen, at least, she tra- she acts like she's like a God's saint? gift to Earth. Yeah. That's what's embarrassing. You know what? She's the voice of Dory, and that's all I care about. Oh, God. Dory's her own entity. I'll just not relate Ellen to that anymore. She's broken my heart too many times. I used to love watching Ellen. Why? Because she sat next to fucking George Bush? No, because she would embarrass celebrities on her couches. But now I can't support that either. Now now I can just look at it as what it really is, and that's bullying. Okay. <laughs> you're like, ew, you're getting too serious. But I did love watching Andy, the one of the producers, walk through haunted houses with <laughs> celebrities. Those are so funny. So you're canceling Ellen because she bullied People. I did. I stopped. I stopped um, supporting Ellen, but I did. I do support Andy. Andy should have his own show. Apparently, Karen Kilgariff worked on the set of Ellen. Uh, she's the My Favorite Murder co-host. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, I'm sure she's got some dirt on Ellen, but she won't say. I'm sure she signed a contract of some sort that she oh, can never. God. Yeah, not a contract. Right. Some sort of waiver. Some sort of. If you speak ill on on Ellen, you're done forever. Dude, yeah, that's why there's only anonymous posts that are like, I was a temp, blah, 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 and Ellen would choose a different 
intern or employee to pick on for the month and so throughout the month we would just wait for pranks for that person every day but they're pranks like is that really being a bully or it was how she went about it apparently like she wouldn't even like she would kind of haze them like be rude to them and have her do like grunt work but isn't that what their job is instead of I don't know. Okay. It's just, um, I mean, I don't, I don't know. It's weird. It's weird is what I'm saying. I don't know. It's like, I, it's like almost like a hidden cult. Like it's all sunny and nice here, but then you get there and it's like, oh my God. Oh, that reminds me of that Rugrats episode. Uh, the, what is Miss Carol? Yes, think of her kids. Um, <laughs> Oh, and then uh, doesn't Angelica yeah. see? He like says a bad word, right? Yes. Is that that episode? Miss Carol thinks. <laughs> oh, that we're yeah. all a bunch of little beep. Oh yeah. Great. Oh my god, dude! I love that episode. Look now, that's all I can think about now. Great cartoons is that episode? Yeah. Every time I see Ellen, you know what's so strange is that I actually did have a woman come to my school and call my second grade teacher a bitch <gasps> to my face. What? It was one of those like little organizations that they would sit. It wasn't dare or like anything big. It was like something smaller for like career building or something like from the age of whatever second grade. Um, Mm -hmm. So this lady came and like was talking about career building and like gave us a bunch of like little trinkets that they usually do like pencils and shit. And we take a break or a hiatus. And I, I remember them arguing or like bickering at each other about how certain things were going to go. Or whatever. There was an awkward tension. Who knows? Maybe they knew each other from college and it was like a weird dynamic that they had. Well, during the hiatus, the instructor lady or whatever is in a little suit, in a little skirt, pencil skirt suit. And she like gets down. I remember her getting down eye to eye with me and she's in a skirt. So she did it like properly or whatever. That's why I remember it. And she's like, your teacher is a bitch. What? Yeah. And I, of course, like, told, like, right away. Because I was, like, the biggest snitch whenever I was in second grade. <laughs> I snitched on everybody. I really did. It was awful. But, um, yeah, it was, like, a whole situation. So the lady was escorted off the property. And we never Wow, Abby. I can't believe that. And I got to tell my parents. I used to tell my mom, up until I started being kind of bad, I would tell my uh-huh. mom my whole day from start to finish until like the third third or fourth grade. Then I stopped doing that. Like I would literally tell her my day start to finish. Oh my God. And I until, bet she loved the fuck out of that too, dude. Oh, she did. Because she was at home. She was like, oh, tell me the tea. And so I <laughs> told her that day that like my teacher was called a bad word and she was called the B word. And I loved that teacher. Um, her name was Jackie Hanover at the Carlos Kuhn Elementary in San Antonio. She was so sweet. And I think last I heard a few years back, of course, she had um, taken a break from teaching to start a family with her husband. Aww. So I thought that was really sweet. Hopefully, hopefully she's doing good now. She was very young whenever she was a second grade teacher. She was probably my age, 25. <gasps> oh, my God. I could be other people's teacher. Yeah. But I'm not. But here I am talking about <laughs> talking smack. Talking about damn Danielle, I care with you. <laughs> Instead of teaching and fo- and molding young minds, <laughs> what did your mom say when you told her that you snitched? She freaked out. She freaked out. Well, she was glad. Like she was glad that I told because that's like, of course, very inappropriate. Yeah. And my dad was also like, "Good job," but 
they were just like mind blown that that happened. They're like, why? Because I don't know, weird little things that happen like that to me is like, so it's always like, what? Why her? Like, why Abby? I just look the most, the most approachable or something. <laughs> I guess. Like I wasn't going to say shit. <laughs> this little Mexican girl ain't going to say a damn thing. <laughs> <laughs> or like why say it to me she did she wanted to start she wanted to start some trouble yeah i don't understand like why it. she said that to you like weird why it wouldn't was she weird. like tell another person adult. yeah like another adult why would she tell a child she couldn't hold it in anymore yeah you were the only one it was word vomit <laughs> <laughs> all alone i had no friends perfect <laughs> Oh, this little loser. Maybe, maybe this little girl will agree. <laughs> this little loser. Who did I just picture? Oh, aw, no. She's not that. Her? Little Miss Sunshine. Oh, come on. She at least had her grandpa. I don't know why I pictured her. She's sweet and don't even. I will cry. <laughs> Talking like that. Whenever that kid realizes he's colorblind and all he wanted to do was be a pilot. Yeah, dude, oh. that sucked. I think that was more sad. He never spoke a word. Grandpa. And Steve Carell, such a great role. Yeah. Such a great actor. Anyways, that's a gem. <clears throat> I need to go back and watch all the indie films that I didn't see because I was too young to see them. I need to like look them up. There's one that I really, really, really fucking love. And I... What's the general year that you think it was out like playing? I want to say 2007. Late night, 2000. Okay, here we go. I'm going to look it up. It was an indie film for sure. Oh, my God. No. And it wasn't a foreign movie or anything? No. Maybe it was Canadian. Maybe. I don't think so. I'm actually not sure. Why? Mm-hmm. Why can I not find it? I, I'm, i like, freaking out that I cannot find this. Yeah, I'm trying to find it, too. 2000, early 2000s. It's like Skyler. Oh my god, I'm a moron. Did you find it? Dakota Sky. Oh. How are you a moron? You remembered it. It was 2008. Yes. There it is. Good guess. I've never seen this. Dakota. Native American. What the fuck? Why is it only on? Why is it only on Pinterest? Like I can't. It's the one, the cover where uh, she's. Yes, I see it. It's on Tubi right now for free. Shut I should watch mouth. it. A girl with the supernatural ability to see through other people's lies falls in love with a mysterious boy who always tells the truth. Oh wow! I loved that movie. Like it was my favorite for a really long time. Yesterday I had smoked and then I ate a bunch of snacks and I was watching Bridget Jones Diary. <laughs> and thank God I had finished like it was towards the end because he would have made me get up in the middle of it. <clears throat> but I was like almost finished. So I watched the ending and then I went in there and he was like, okay, go take another bong bong hit. And I was like, no. And it turns out he was having me play Five Nights at Freddy's for the first time ever. Oh, no. And it was so scary. It was so knew it. It was so scary. I was like, thank goodness I'm kind of coming off of it and I didn't take another hit because I would have passed out. But we were screaming. We were like grabbing each other and screaming, whatever. But only <laughs> he's a big chicken dude. You should have seen it. 
I was like, we should stream this on Twitch because it's hilarious. Damn and it, only one of us, <laughs> even if one of us was wearing the headphones, we would both end up screaming. <laughs> whenever it would come up. Oh, my God. It would be like those Brandy videos. Holy oh. shit. Oh, my gosh. Yes, exactly. Um, yeah. And the, the worst part was that when you lost, it would still make you wait for the scare. Like, the, the screen would go dark. The screen would go black. No. And then slowly the sounds would stop. No. Like, all the, all the sounds would stop. And then it would just be dead silent. And it would be like that for a few seconds. And then it would jump out and scare you. Fuck no, dude. That's like that movie, Dead Silence. <gasps> that movie is so scary. Yeah, I fucking hate that movie. I've only seen it twice and I've never seen it once. I had barely seen it like three years ago, and it was like a Did really I old one. With me? I feel like you would have, but I definitely think I saw it with my mom. I think she was scared. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it was me. I don't know. <clears throat> it might have been. I don't know. Oh my gosh. Okay. It's pretty scary. It's probably one of the scarier d- uh, doll movies I've seen. Yeah. I, mm-mm, mm-mm. Okay. Um, we go off on these tangents. I'm so sorry. Where the fuck am I? We're fine. This is exactly how it's supposed to be going. <clears throat> it says it right here. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, okay. <clears throat> Damn. But, anyways, oh my God, we have freaking strayed so far away from the. Man. That's over with. Um, okay, so um, what are your closing thoughts on this whole thing? I thought it was nuts. And then the whole thing about being a juvenile and performing like those heinous of crime, like that heinous of a crime. Yeah. I don't know if I. I don't know how to feel. Like I guess it's just case by case how they did it. Have a psychiatrist come in and determine if. They would ever be fit to rejoin society, even if they, you know, did that crime. Yeah. I guess it should just be case by case. There's no way to really know, even if the person seems fit to um, leave prison. Sorry, I was going to burp. I'm going to have to revisit some of the actual, like, child murders and see where they're at. Ooh. The ones that where they're actually the ones that are like ten years old and they like kill someone yeah. so brutally. Mm. You're like, how the fuck could a child do that? And then they either spend the rest of their lives in prison or they come back and they're fine. It's just so bizarre. Yeah. It just depends. I guess. It really does just depend how soon they can um, get the help they need, etc. Mm. So yeah, he and he has a few more years to go before he can see. I doubt it. I doubt he'll care to change. If he's still fucking, he's still trying to cheat people out of whatever, getting what he wants by acting like he's Wicca and stuff. Yeah, that's fucking, oh my God. I can't, I can't. (laughs) Jeez. All right. Well, hopefully you guys enjoyed this story and let us know what you think on our Instagram or our Twitter at Gimme the Creeps. Don't forget to Think about sending in any stories to our email. Yes. Give me the creep 66 yeah. at gmail.com. Yes. Give me the creep 66 at gmail.com or hit our DMs up and 
let us know if anything strange has happened to you and we will share it on the podcast. We're very excited to start that this summer with some of our listeners so they can hear some of their stories said on here. Maybe share some family stories on here for us. Mm-hmm. And don't forget to review or leave a comment on Apple Podcasts and keep listening to us on Spotify, Podbean, any streaming platform of your choice. And thank you guys so much for all your support. Thanks, guys. So, did we give you the creeps?